On this week's episode of the Future of Eye Care, I had the opportunity and privilege to sit down with Kelly Sheets, National Sales Manager of Elix. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show today, Kelly. Thanks for inviting me. Well, of what a compliment. Course. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, you, you you have you have the distinction of being uh, one of the coolest sales managers in the industry. So we have some mutual. <laughs> We have some mutual friends that obviously always spoke so highly of you and, and, and got to know you at, at some shows. So we're really honored to have you on the show. I wanted to chat with you about a whole host of things, obviously. But first, for, for people that don't know you, if you take the opportunity to to kind of introduce yourself, your background and kind of how you got started into uh, into medical device sales. Of course. So um, I was fortunate enough to start my career off in medical device sales and aesthetics. Um, and that was actually in Australia, of all places. So my husband and I actually moved down to Australia to start a direct office for Qterra. Uh, we were there for four years, which was a wonderful experience. And then when I moved back, oddly enough, I'd had some overlap with LX when I was in Australia. It's where they're headquartered, where they're manufactured. And then when I came back to the States uh, four years later, uh, our previous boss had become the CEO at LX. Um, there wasn't really a natural fit for me at Qterra in the U.S. And he said, you know, you'd be great in ophthalmology and offered me a sales position in Northern California. So I started off in ophthalmology in about probably 2007, uh, managing Northern California. And uh, from there, ended up becoming a regional manager, eventually national sales manager at Quantel, and then was invited back to Alex as their national sales manager about three years ago which was a wonderful opportunity. Um, Alex is a fantastic company, always has been, as is Quantel. And lo and behold, here we are as of officially early or late 2019, Alex and Quantel have merged. So now I'm managing uh, a team I used to manage at Quantel. We're blended together and it's just a, a very exciting opportunity for us uh, in the U.S. Um, I've, I've always thought Alex's strengths were Quantel's weaknesses and vice versa. And I think with the, especially the Quantel ultrasound line and with our laser line and our ultrasound line, the marriage of two, I mean, I just think we're kind of unstoppable in our, our very niche market moving forward. So I'm, I'm very, very excited. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, you've gone full circle. You left from one company. It's always tough when you, you're leaving a company that you, you really like everyone, but you're yeah. looking for more opportunity. And then you get invited back. I've done that before too, where yeah. you go back home again. And then, um, yeah, and so, so then obviously to, to have that merger happen, you're obviously the perfect fit for it. You've managed both teams. And uh, again, you know, your whole team re really speaks so highly of you. Uh, in terms of, in ter you know, so one of the things I really wanted to chat with you about too was, was your, your leadership experience. You know, clearly there's something there that your team really en enjoys working with you so much, uh, particularly as, as things have changed with COVID. I'm really curious to just kind of dig into like, what's your philosophy on, on, on your leadership style and, and what are you doing now through COVID to kind of, kind of keep moving the needle? I mean, COVID's definitely, you know, was something that, you know, for all of us came out of left field and for it to happen right in the midst of this merger, when, you know, there was so much excitement so much unity that we wanted to happen. And by unity, I mean bringing Australia, France, and the U.S. together as one. I mean, there's nothing like face-to-face -face interaction. And with that obviously horrible epidemic that is still ongoing, it all came to a halt. So it's been very difficult for us. Obviously, you know, uh, March, April were months and, and experiences we'd never had before. And, you know, everything came to a standstill. 
that being said, it's interesting for us because it's very geographical now. And I've seen, I've, I mean, we're trying to be as supportive as we can for our company. Uh, I think we're fortunate in the sense that we're still small enough that we are not hampered sometimes by huge corporate requirements. You know, like I've got friends that work for Raymond James, you know, friends that work at Alcon, at BNL, and, and they literally are not, they're on a travel freeze. We're, we're not. So it is at the discretion of my reps. Uh, I'm very respectful of their fears, their individual states, mandates, so on and, and so forth. Um, but oddly enough, like places like California, they really never missed a beat. Um, you know, Scott Woodard and Mark Norman, those both, they kind of both manage Northern and Southern California and the Pacific Northwest. They're thriving right now. Um, and so it's very interesting for me to see where our business is going to go over the next six months, nine months. But I will tell you this last quarter has been for us in a bit record breaking um, at what normally is a very, very slow time for us. So, and I don't know what to say about it. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know if it's that people have this sense of life is suddenly so short and like, let's just go for it. Or if it's that, you know, I, to digress a little bit, I watched this webinar right when COVID started and it was three different doctors perspectives and forgive me, I can't remember what three doctors they were. I think Nate Radcliffe was one of them, but basically they had three different perspectives of what life after COVID will be like. And one was like, it's forever changed in a negative way. One was there'll be kind of a slow coming out of this. And then the other was, especially people of younger generations now are so used to having immediate gratification that for them to be told no for such a long period of time is going to mean the minute they can come back out, they're going to want it now because it might go away again. And that would mean a huge increase maybe in like the refractive, that side of the business. And that's sort of how it feels like for us. So, you know, for me as a, as a leader and as a manager, I try to be compassionate and understanding, um, fair in the sense that I have to be respectful that every person is different, everybody's um, state of health is different. And that end of the day, bottom line, I want my reps to be healthy and safe and alive, as well as our doctors and our doctor's patients. So we're doing whatever we can within reason to protect our staff our staff from our other doctors and to give them all the tools that they need. Um, you know, we've created these face shields, which a lot of, you know, medical device manufacturers have. I know Zeiss has done it, but they're really nice. They're even larger than maybe some of the traditional ones that you've seen out there. And so we're trying to provide tools to our doctors that make them feel safe, that um, make it appropriate for them to have some kind of interaction with these practices, at least just to say, I'm here, I'm, you know, I'm symptomatic free, I'm wearing gloves, I've got a face mask, I've got a face shield if you want me to wear one and I'm here to help you and help you in any other part of your business as well. Sure. And that's kind of our, our general philosophy right now. Yeah, so I think people can tell just, just from hearing you speak, you know, you're always so sincere and, and empathetic uh, with, with, with your team and, and just strangers, you know, when you were introduced to me, you know, same thing, you're just, you know, very welcoming and, uh, you know, hey, join us for a drink at a show, you know, so uh, I'm sure everyone can sense that, you know, I'm, I'm curious to kind of get down to some tactics too, though. So yeah. like, you know, like Monday morning, like, are you doing, you're doing Zoom team calls? Are you doing one-on-ones? You're doing them on video, doing them on phone? Like, 
what's your so, what's your manager playbook right now for for me for example i have to do it too so i'm curious yeah. i want to hear we what you're doing, doing we were doing weekly zoom calls um now because a lot of my reps are back on the road uh we're doing them probably bi-monthly um initially we were trying to use it as a time to really get trained on things that maybe i knew were weaknesses in the team you know, ultrasound, for example, is a very, very vital part of our product line. It's anywhere from, you know, 40 to 60% of our business, depending on what year you're looking at. And there's such a clinical um, aspect to, to ultrasound that all of our reps aren't necessarily up to speed on, which, which is okay, because I have a clinical team, and that's kind of why they're here. But when you're asking the right questions to certain doctors, the more you know, the better you can probe, the better you can really uncover needs that we can satisfy for the doctor to make it a win-win for both companies in practice. So that was kind of probably what the first two months looked like. And now, because we're so busy, a lot of me included, I mean, I've been on the road on average three weeks a month now. So um, I feel like I'm busier than I've ever, I've ever been. And, and part of that's also the introduction of a new product line that my team was never able to really get um, appropriately trained on because we had to do all of it through Zoom. With device sales, it's touching, you know, it's firing, it's the optics, it's you can't learn that from a Zoom call. You can only learn it in real life. And we don't, we've never had the opportunity for like a real life training program. So, um, so now we're trying to do the best that we can and to manage everybody's different schedules because some of my reps are still very much grounded. Um, we're also getting ready, you know, we're, uh, you know, I'll be honest, we're, we're maybe not, not lax, but we're just trying to get through December because we're also working off of two different fiscal years or calendar fiscal years. So at, at, at Quantel, we were on a calendar fiscal. At LX, we were always uh, uh, July to June. So, you know, uh, you know Quantel just are kind of rounding out the end of their year. And so we're just trying to kind of get our top line numbers there. Can I get my reps selling? Because we have a much bigger sales team than Quantel does. There's you know, eight to eight reps to two. So now I've got a, an awesome party of 10, um, eight of which, you know, are instantly out there, but they have a whole new product line they've never met. So, you know, right now we're kind of focused on the short term, which is top line growth. Like how, how quickly can we get Quantel sales ramped up um, with the limited tools that we've been given? And then right now we're getting ready for next year. So what is that going to look like for my reps as far as training, my time with them? So for now, we'll say they're probably getting a very light version, very hands-off but supportive uh, way of managing their territories. But it's, you know, I talk to my reps, most of them several times a week. And it's just, what can I do for you? Um, what are you encountering? How can I help you, especially with our Quantel products? And they've all been highly incentivized through the end of December to hit certain targets. So it's, where are you? What does it look like this week? How close are you to your goal? So you can take advantage of some incentives that we've given you to get you through December. No, that's great. You're, I mean, your knowledge base was obviously always so strong. You were usually the first one in the leader. I've, I've been in a similar situation before. So, so you're, you're able to bring to your, to your sales team, like that, that clinical knowledge where you can really help them merge that clinical sales conversation. So totally can appreciate where you're at there. You, you said you're on the road, you know, three days a week, so, uh, three, three weeks out of the month. So you're, you're certainly, um, you're certainly traveling probably a lot more, just, just, um, I think it's totally dependent by industry. Um, and so, so in terms of your product mix right now, 
it was always kind of um, it was always kind of mixed between optometry and ophthalmology. Mm-hmm. Picking up the Quantel line, I think it opens up the opportunity for a lot more optometry because of the. I agree. The I agree. So at, at LX, we have very little. I mean, because with with ultrasound, there's there's definitely an opportunity with optometry, but I think the real opportunity is with lasers. And there's only well, there's five states, but I actually think. Our- Arkansas may have lost its its ability to do lasers, um, SLT and YAGs. So at LX, we're, you know, 99.9% ophthalmology. And coming back over to Quantel, you know, they have this dry eye portion, which is definitely the weakest spot. And I, I don't know much about dry eyes. So I'm trying to get my head around that right now. But that's really where their focus in optometry has been. And they backed a little bit off of ultrasound, I think, because and, you know, it was really just the UBM. I think there is a need in optometry for ultrasound, but it's kind of lower on their, on the totem pole. And it might have to do with exposure that they get initially and in, in, when they're doing their training and, um, and going to school. So I, I think I, I was surprised. It's still probably maybe only 20% optometry over at Quantel. They've definitely shifted more to traditional ophthalmic practices. So, you know, I think that um, we will be focusing on how we can bring really good products that are relevant to um, the optometric market in 2021. Um, But we're trying to kind of lay out that groundwork right now. It's kind of one of the things I'm working on this week and next week is what does our product mix look like for 2021? And, you know, what, where can we play in the OD market? Uh, Where can we be relevant? Where do we have a product that really fits without trying to, you know, force something into their hand that isn't necessarily a natural you know, uh, progression for their practice. Sure. Yeah. It's something I'm, I'm struggling with right now as well on, on, on my new endeavor, which is, you know, identifying who really is your ideal customer profile. So for you, it's, it definitely sounds like ophthalmology. It's where you're going to focus the bulk of your marketing and your, right. and your, um, your, your sales efforts, but it's also, you know, in an opportunistic world, if there's opportunity to uncover, you know, mm-hmm. you certainly don't want to leave anything on the table. If you have a right. good solution, optometry is interesting because, it varies by state in terms of medical billing, scope of practice. And so the, you know, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the UBM model back in the past. So the reimbursement was always tremendous. Um, I'm assuming the, how, how's the reimbursement still currently for the ultrasound is pretty stable. So there's, there's not many changes there, but you know, you walk that fine line with reimbursement, you know what I mean? Because there is, you don't want to abuse, right. A CPT code, but if it's relevant, you want to be able to encourage, obviously we're all in practice to make money, right? I mean, it would be great if we could all just work for free, but that's just not the way it works, especially in the US. We all need to make money and we need to be profitable, especially if we want to invest and grow and obviously have, you know, R&D and new product development. So, you know, it's this fine line. And I think, you know, UBM has a still very attractive reimbursement. It's about $100 an eye. Um, okay. That's great. But, but, you know, we want to do it the right way. And we want to do it because it truly is a unique device that that fits a need that isn't already there. Sure. So, you know, what are what are these? You know, are they heavily focused in glaucoma as an OD practice? Are they in one of those states where they can prescribe drops, where they are kind of their true first line defense, and they're going to be with you know the OD until it becomes to the point of are we talking surgery for uncontrolled glaucoma? Um, you know, can they do SLT? Then that's when those conversations happen. But the other problem is, is there's so many ODs out there, right? And we're still only a sales force of 10 to 12 people. 
you'd almost need a sec. I would almost need to double my sales team, I think, to be able to properly engage in the OD market um, to give them, you know, the training they deserve, the respect they deserve. And then still we've got, you know, such a, a perfect product line for the ophthalmic market. I mean, it's a natural affinity for us. So, you know, there's a lot of questions that need to be addressed on my end um, and to assess the market and determine what would be the right move for us. Sure. But there's definitely a need there. And dry eye especially is where I think a lot of our OD business will start to come from. Um, but like I said, the, you know, it's um, the Lacrodiag, which is the product that we have. We're hoping to get our approval for the IPL so we can diagnose and treat. Uh, but we don't have the IPL approved in the U.S. right now. So, you know, that's a really important component to the dry eye business, especially for the OD market. So, you know, are we going to get in 21, 2021? Maybe. Probably it's going to be 2022. I don't know for certain. Uh, like I said, this is a new world for us, um, you know, having joined with Quantel and there's still moving pieces kind of getting worked out between um, the two different companies. But no, I mean, I do see an opportunity um, in the optometric market, but ophthalmology is definitely our core business. Sure. Yeah. I mean, launching something new on the optometry side. Now I'm, I'm taking more of a, uh, a marketing approach doing paid social this, you know, what we're doing right here, LinkedIn content, organic growth. And, um, and the, the amount of inbound has been just tremendous. I, I couldn't see going outbound with my current solution mm -hmm. um, in terms of, in terms of having a meaningful impact. So maybe something you want to have your marketing people dig into in terms of doing uh, demand generation, outbound content creation, paid yeah. social, that could really be a place. Cause I think the UBM, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we have a, a mutual acquaintance that sold it in the past. So, you know, Nick right. and, uh, and, and so I, I, you know, I heard every bit and piece about it going, you know, every, all the times we'd spoke. So uh, I, I think it's a tremendous opportunity for you to grow that, that segment of the business. I think yeah. optometrists could certainly use the, the revenue source. The more importantly, you know, I sold the ERG VEPs for early detection glaucoma. And I'll mm -hmm. say something a little bit controversial, kind of give, give your product more of a plug in that uh, by and large, the, uh, I, I don't believe that most eye care professionals across ophthalmology and optometry diagnose and treat glaucoma effectively enough. I just think the current standard of care, which is, and I just, I literally just had a, um, uh, another one of these interviews with a neuro ophthalmologist who uh, is, is launching a new technology for uh, early detection of glaucoma and, uh, and, and will include home monitoring of the system. Great. And so the reason is, is to collect more data more frequently, as opposed to, you know, biannual uh, visual fields and, you know, you know, an OCT, but, you know, in terms of trying to track those changes over time, it takes a long time then to see the changes versus if you have a lot of data in a short period of time. Right. And so if you can add more data in another test, the UBM, the imaging's fantastic, right? So, and again, uh, you know, the other modalities of, of the device. So anything that you can do to, to make a decision and then treat more aggressively. And so you sell SLTs. I'm a huge proponent based off the data I've seen of um, the response to treatment because we used to measure response to treatment with the ERGs. SLT first line, like I'm a huge believer in SLT first line. I don't know where you stand on that one. That's a little, that one's. Well, the light study is what's completely revolutionized, I think, or not revolutionized, but the light study basically gave every doctor the confidence to know 
that it's absolutely appropriate to be first line therapy. So the light study came out, I believe it was, I feel like I've lost a whole year, right, with COVID. So I, I think it came out a year, the year previous, probably in 2019. And basically it was this landmark study, it was done in the UK, but it, the results that it came out of it basically said, it is as, as effective as drops first line therapy and it should be first line therapy. And, you know, my father personally, you know, he has borderline questionable glaucoma and, you know, he was on drops right off the bat from his uh, ophthalmologist in San Diego. And he was immediately complaining to me. I mean, there's a cost that's associated to drops and you can't deny it. These are people, my father is, you know, in his early eighties. So yeah, he's on a budget. Yes, he's on Medicare. All of a sudden you hit your premiums come, you know, or you hit your max and, you know, September, my dad was trying to like make his drops last longer than they should. His eyes were changing color, which he, to this day, it drives him crazy. They're like almost black now instead of like a really light hazel, um, you know, hair growth. There's all these random things that patients don't want to talk about, but I got to experience with my father firsthand I said, dad, your doctor, Nick had just sold her an SLT. I said, go get an SLT. He goes from like three to one. Yeah. I mean, he's like, why didn't I know about this? This, if this would have been presented to me as two options. SLT would have been my first choice. So, you know, these conversations in the light study gave you basically the pat on the back and the stamp of approval. Like you're, you're giving a better standard of care here. And ALT and not SLT are not the same thing either. I mean, you're not causing any damage. It's repeatable. It's safe. It doesn't hurt. There's money to be made for the doctor. It saves their patients money. I mean, it's a win-win. Yeah, for, for sure. We, you know, this goes back over 10 years ago. So I didn't know about the light study. So I appreciate hearing yeah. that. Over 10 years ago, when we were launching the ERG and VEPs, um, you know, we had some of the early adopters of our technology were like Mark Latina and Larry Ginger, yeah. who were like the innovators yeah. with SLT. And they were saying, and it was amazing to me to see, you could have glaucoma experts. And mm -hmm. this, this was one of the first lessons for me that you could have experts in their field, whether it's retina glaucoma, have diametrically opposed opinions about a proper treatment for any individual patient. So there is no one right answer, of course. However, right. <laughs> however, you know, we actually saw response to treatment studies and we actually did them on, uh, and these these were never published. They're all like internal, you know, you know, small cohort studies that were done. But um, response to treatment on meds and on lasers, and with the SLT, it uh, it was more dramatic. And I think one of the reasons was because of the uh, diurnal effect. And, and right. so it was it was like immediate, like within you know within a you know some of them you could actually see the response right after treatment. Uh, right. But long term, the results were great. So, yeah, I mean, so I'm a huge proponent of. So going back, I kind of took a little bit of a Bob tangent that I get, I get fired right. up about glaucoma okay. management because I lived it for ten years, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and and yeah, so I think for you, I think for sure, I think you have a huge opportunity with optometry. They can absolutely treat more aggressively. They can diagnose sooner, treat more mm -hmm. aggressively with the treatment options that they have out there. Uh, you know, refer out to SLT. I think SLT should absolutely be done. Uh, first line. I, I think it saves people money. There's no question about the, what what's like, what's the, what's the average fee in an office? Like it was around $600 a few years ago. I don't know what it is today. For SLT? Yeah. For a patient, if a patient's paying for a procedure. Um, well for SLT it's, so it's covered by Medicare, obviously. So okay. you're looking at, it's about $300 per eye on a 90 day global. Okay. And then as far as like drops and things like that go, I mean, it just depends also on kind of who you have, but I know my doctor, my, my dad was paying you know, probably thousands 
of dollars over the course of a year, yeah. not more than that. I mean, if a patient had to pay it before they're deductible, they'd, they'd have to pay $600 basically on a managed yeah. care plan. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, versus, you know, yeah, hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month for, for the drop. So yeah, for me, as soon as, as soon as my, as soon as my uh, ERG goes up, I'm going, uh, I'm going up and I'm getting a, uh, okay. I'm getting the SLT first line for sure. So, so moving the conversation forward then. So, I mean, you have a lot of great solutions. You have a lot of great yeah. technology. Is there anything else that you have kind of coming out? Uh, future, your, you talked about the IPL real quick and Unfortunately, I don't know a lot about the IPL yet. It's kind of like better that I don't know before we're actually able to sell it. But having been in aesthetics, I know enough about IPLs that I haven't seen it used, obviously, in ophthalmology, but I know how great IPL works on your skin in general. Um, I mean, Qterra is a lot like LX as far as being one of the more expensive aesthetic products out there, but also one of the best engineered. I mean, it, it had all the bells and whistles. It had, you know, some of the most brilliant and amazing people that were in aesthetics working on it, all people from coherent. Um, and so, you know, I do know that, you know, IPL works. Uh, I don't know a lot about the IPL that we're selling at this point, but hopefully that's something that I will be able to um, kind of immerse myself in and kind of become a, a new expert on dry eye and also on IPL technology. But you know, for now, we're going to, we're going to focus on our core. It's absolutely always been, you know, SLT is obviously one of our biggest selling products. And luckily we've got a pretty diverse line. And now that we've got, you know, Quantel and we've merged together, nobody can touch us when it comes to SLT. We've got SLTs that can clip onto existing lasers. We've got, you know, standalone SLTs fully integrated into a slit lamp with, you know, some of the best optics on the market. We've got the Tango, which is probably sold, there's probably, you know, more Tangos out there than any other company, um, especially because we used to OEM that. I mean, the first selected duets were manufactured by LX. So, you know, if you look at a nameplate on a selected duet, I think like pre-2008, it will say manufactured by LX there. So, you know, if you combine, you know, those with the Tangos that we sell and continue to sell each year, you know, we own that marketplace. And then now we've got reflex technology, which you know, is for treating, you know, gags, SLTs, PIs, awesome capsulotomies, and also has the ability to treat, you know, posterior membranes in the, you know, in the vitreous. So, you know, it's a very exciting time for us. And, you know, now we've also expanded on our ultrasound product line. And I've always been very passionate about ultrasound. I was fortunate to have some of the best and most knowledgeable mentors in the world in Cynthia Kendall and Gus Khan when I got into ophthalmology. Um, and was working at LX. So, you know, we've got the I cubed, the I prime, but those aren't always a good fit for smaller practices. So now we've got the compact touch, which is, you know, a really great, fully integrated, uh, you know, uh, high quality, high resolution, but smaller, more streamlined, affordable ultrasound. That's great for just a practice that wants a basic AB scan, but doesn't want to skimp on image quality at a super attractive price point. And then we've got the Absolute, which is kind of like a top of the line ultrasound. It's got, you know, unique um, technology in the probes. Quantel makes all their own probes. That makes them very unique. So a lot of people outsource their probes now. And Quantel has always made their probes in-house downstairs in their building in Claremont. I've gone down there and watched them build probes. And it's, you know, from start to finish, there's a lot of um, artistry in designing and making probes and transducers. So you know, I think in, in our segment, as, as unique as it is and kind of a niche market, we're just, we're a home run. I mean, we've got everything. So it, very cool. No, it sounds be like better for us. 
It sounds like the future of iCare at, at uh, Quantel and Alex is, is going to be solid. And so is it, what, what's the, is the name going to fall under Quantel, Alex? What's the merger going to so, look So Lumi Bird Group is kind of the, not the, it is the company. So Lumi Bird is a huge company um, based in Europe. Um, I, I should know obviously how much we're talking about hundreds and millions of dollars a year in annual revenues, but it's industrial and scientific. Lumi Bird acquired Quantel Medical gosh, I want to say probably two or three years ago. Um, and so the, we've got industrial and scientific lasers, then they acquired Quantel, and now Lumibird has acquired LX. So Quantel, it's, if you go by a Quantel booth, it would say, you know, Quantel Medical, Lumibird Company. And so we're LX, a Lumibird company. In the US, I don't know how we're going to blend the two together. So I don't know if it's kind of under wraps right now. So I don't know if we're going to become a new name. It's always scary to have a new name, right? Because you're known as a certain brand. Uh, in ophthalmology, especially, you know, Alex is a, you know, a kind of a little niche market, like, like I said. So I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have a new name, if we're going to be Quantel Alex under Lumibird, but yeah, it's going to be good no matter what. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm going to make up yeah. your name here. It could be Quantelex. Quantelex. <laughs> so don't think. Yeah, so Ben Johnson, our service manager, you know, took it upon himself to make his own little logo and he did the same thing. So I don't know. Maybe we will. It works, maybe, right? Michael, Michael, just yeah. have fun. So uh, yeah. I know that you're connected to a lot of people. Just real quick, I'm just curious. Have you, um, is there anything else out there outside of your scope that you see that's uh, particularly exciting to you in terms of uh, future of eye care? Anything new you've heard about? Any uh, associates, you know, kicking up anything new that seems interesting people should know about? Um, not off the top of my head. Once, once we hang up, I'm sure I'll think of about five things, sure. but, um, you know, I, I haven't had a huge chance to network. So I used to do so much of networking at trade shows. Right. Sure. And with trade shows going away, I feel like I've been kind of in my little, my little rep bubble where we're so focused right now on, on us and getting back up to where we were before. And then with the merger, I've been a little bit, um, kind of busy in our own little Quantel Alex world, but well, um, you've no. been very busy. So that's, that's the yeah, good we have reason. been very busy. We're you've fortunate. Busy I mean, to, very, very fortunate for that. Uh, the rest of us were, uh, you know, during the COVID layoffs, uh, some of us were just calling people <laughs> around to see what was, what was going on. So, you know, the good news from you is that, is that you were able to keep busy and, uh, yeah. and I, you know, I appreciate you taking time out of your, 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 your Mexican staycation there. You're uh, yeah. traveling yeah. to Mexico. So I appreciate you, uh, yes. taking some time from your vacation to join us on the call to talk about the future of eye care. It's, it's always fun to, to catch up. We look forward to the next show uh, around the drinks. And Bob, I do. I do hope we get to all see each other soon. I, I hate the fact that we've all been kind of forced to separate, but I'm glad you're healthy and safe. That is the most important thing for everybody. And I hope everybody, you know, out there continues to stay healthy. It's the most important part. Sure. And you as well. So yeah, thank you so much for joining. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Bob. It was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It was an honor. No, of course. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a nice day.